vibe over what we love and vibe over what we hate maybe more chance struggles welcome to we were so happy microaggressions and where they happen i'm your host nicole young and if you haven't had a chance to yet take a listen to the intro podcast which gives a little bit of background about why we think microaggressions are important, and our working definition here on this podcast. As always, this is a space for people of color and marginalized groups to share about microaggressions that happen to them, and for white people and people who are not in marginalized groups to listen. Um, I've been asking friends for weeks and months to send in their stories and remembrances of microaggressions. And so today's special guest is Corey Ponder, who is going to be sharing a story about something that happened to him and his girlfriend. So a few months ago, my girlfriend and I planned a day trip to Point Reyes, California. It's a place known for hiking, well watching, lighthouses, nature, and also oysters. People go there a lot to try the different oysters fresh off the coast. It was exciting for her because she had never actually eaten oysters before. Um, And so it was going to be a nice day at first. We Got there, it was a pretty great day. Uh, We visited some spots, ate some oysters, did some hiking. As we left the restaurant, maybe about 10 or 15 minutes into that drive back to Oakland, California, where we were, where we are living, she felt like she was having an allergic reaction. And so this was alarming um, because we were at that point in the, on a road that was literally one direction or the other. Um, we could either go back to where we came, which was the restaurant that we were at, or we could keep going where we didn't really know what was ahead of us, but where the GPS um, in the car said there was a town up ahead at some point. But we had no signal. We had no actual cell phone service, so it wasn't like we could check that and confirm that that was the case. All we had were the signs on the side of the road um, and the GPS I put in right before I left the restaurant. So at a certain point, it got too bad. Um, An allergic reaction was uh, just alarming. And so we made the kind of decision that we're going to have to stop at the first house we see and just hope that there are some good Samaritans there. So we stopped at the first house and thank goodness we probably dodged a bullet because that house looked like something out of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Needless to say, I wasn't trying to be a part of a scary movie that day. I don't think she was either. So um, we checked that place out and then kind of made haste back to the car. And then we, the second place we stopped at, we stopped at because we saw actually somebody riding their lawnmower in the yard. So we knew at this house, somebody is at least home. So we're going to drive up here. They're going to see us. So we'll drive up slow and then we can get out the car and, and plead our case. Now, fun fact for you. I am black and she is black as well. And we, I think without even saying it out loud, I think our faces and like our hearts acknowledge that we were in really dangerous territory. Um, The reason why is because if you're a minority in this country or you're a community that's underrepresented in different areas, no matter what you feel, There's the reality that some places are not as welcoming as others for people who look like us. And being that we were in kind of this middle of nowhere place, we didn't know what to expect from the people who were living in that area. Um, Would they be welcoming or open to 
people of color walking up to their house and saying, hello, give me a cup of sugar? Or would they see it as a threat or would they see it um, as like, we don't belong? We, we don't know. Um, so we didn't really have much choice given the condition that she was in. I was going to get out of the car first, but she denied that because she was like, there's no way I'm letting a black man step out of this car by himself and try to walk around the property by himself. Um, so we got out together, even though she was at this point having very serious reactions and looked very weak. The person who was on the uh, lawnmower came around the house and, you know, he asked us uh, if he could help us. Um, and we basically told him, hey, she's having an allergic reaction. We think it was to oysters. Uh, we're not from the area, so we literally don't know where to go and we don't have signal. But we really just need either a Benadryl because she knows like that that will help or can we use a phone? And she like explained that she also had had other, like she knows her body and she kind of knows exactly what's happening. So like that would be all she would need and we could be up out of his hair. So the guy said no. And he said, you know, your best bet would be to go down to this fire station further down the road uh, and that they would probably have everything we needed. So naturally we were concerned because again, wasn't sure how she was going to fare getting back in the car and driving for we didn't know how long. Um, and also not having signal, we didn't have anybody else who knew where we were or could direct us or that we could reach out to. So it wasn't like we could call for assistance once we got back on the road. It would just be a matter of hoping that we made it from there, his house, to this fire station that we didn't know where it was. So we asked again, we're like, even if it's just to go inside and get some Benadryl and then bring it out to us while we wait here at the car, it's still like, no, um, that's not probably not going to be a good idea. Finally, we were like, hey, one of us can come in and use the phone. And literally, we just want to call and say, like, hey, this is a situation. Like, well, can you come to this point? And we literally would just wait at the end of the driveway. Um, you don't even have to worry about us. We just want to wait for a fire truck or paramedic or something to come meet us at the end of your driveway. Still, he was like, no, your best bet would be to leave and go to the fire station and go get help there. So finally, exasperated, I just asked, where was this fire troop station? And the gentleman said it was basically the next right that you come to, and then a left, and then another right. That didn't really give us much, I guess, hope, but we were like, we have no choice. Um, we could either sit here and continue like this back and forth with him or try to find this station and like make that the, the sure thing. And eventually we did find the fire station um, and it, you know, it ended up working out and they were very helpful. Thankfully, nothing happened between there and the fire station. I guess after that whole interaction, I felt a lot of things. I mean, most immediately I felt anger because, you know, we live in a country where we talk about like, oh, we're, you know, a great nation and we're have this idea of ourselves like we give and help the needy and all of that stuff. But, you know, the ideals of like giving back and the ideals of like really being this great nation don't mean a thing if you're not actually doing great stuff for the people who literally you encounter on a daily basis. Then that was a case where this man thought he would rather send people down the road who are saying that they are having like a serious issue 
I don't know, maybe pray for us or hope that we make it somewhere, but that he just didn't want it on his property. You know, that's his right, I guess. But if somebody comes to you and says, I need help, I would have hoped that somebody would have seen past whatever discomfort they had and actually really like tried to help. Um, I think the other thing that I felt was just tired. I think as a black man, I spend a lot of time in my head wondering if the stuff that I see or the stuff that I experience, you know, these microaggressions that pop up almost every day for some reason or another, is something in my own head or something that I am imagining and rationalizing all the reasons why it can't be my imagination. When at the end of the day, that shouldn't be my prerogative. It shouldn't be up to me to try to convince myself that I'm not insane or that I actually did experience this. So whether that's you know, standing in the elevator and like being looked at as though I'm going to rob somebody like, you know, look, being um, these things happen every day. And I think this was just a manifestation of that. But on a sadder scale, because it could have been life or death and it worked out in this case. But who knows, like that could happen to somebody else, um, you know, looking for help. And, you know, they end up getting misperceived as like a threat. And next thing you know, the situation is completely changed and turned around. So that's my microaggression story. Um, The story of going out for oysters, having an allergic reaction and being seen as a threat, even as we try to ask for help. As I was listening to Corey's story, I was struck by a couple of things. First, the sadness in his voice. Corey is one of the funniest people I know. This guy went on a Napa Valley wine tour and was joking with a sommelier about pairing the wine with Jiffy Cornbread mix, right? Like, he's a really funny dude. And this clearly struck a chord with him, a really, really deep moment of sadness. Um, And I think that the, the second part of that is the sadness came from just needing help and not being able to get it because he was a black man. And I was also struck by the fact that the man that they approached didn't even offer to call 911 for people who were clearly in distress. And as always, when we're talking about these microaggressions, these are things that don't happen to white people. If you listen to this story and you were like, oh, I totally understand why he didn't help them. Imagine the story if it were just some blonde-haired, blue-eyed white people. This would not have happened to them. They would have gotten the help that they needed the man would have at least called 911 um, and they wouldn't have had to worry about whether or not they were going to make it safely um, or alive to their next destination. Thank you, Corey, for sharing your story with us. And vibe over what we hate, maybe more Share struggles that we rose above And the battles that we still fight We were so happy microaggressions and where they happen Is made possible by lots of lovely contributors and friends Including this week's special guest, Corey Ponder Logo and design by Alexandra H. Corbin Music by Lion Soul featuring Manchild Produced by Young Focus Battles that we still fight, you'll be okay